Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Take your Bibles and turn to Philippians. Chapter 1, we are beginning a journey through the book of Philippians today, and Paul is opening his letter and going to be talking about the joy of the fellowship. Joy of the fellowship. You know, uh, fellowship is one of those words that we hear mostly around church, kind of a church word, and we, uh, we can tend to attach that to our social gatherings, and that usually involves food. You know, when we build rooms onto churches, we build fellowship halls uh, for that purpose, because there's joy in the fellowship. But really, it runs much deeper than that. Fellowship does. It runs much, much deeper than that. And we don't want to limit our definition of fellowship to pitching dinners and, and some laughs. A good fellowship will accomplish much. Uh, it will accomplish difficult things. It will overcome challenging circumstances. It will bring healing to your hearts. And it will bring joy up from your hearts. We love us some good pitch-ins. But you know what we love more? Some good fellowship. Now, fellowship is not just a place that you will f- uh, find at church. Uh, it, it is... A lot of different places. Anytime people are coming together for a a common purpose, with a common uh, identity, uh, common commitment, you'll find some fellowship. So, um, the Avengers have fellowship. The class of 2019 has fellowship. The police department has fellowship. The Colts... Meyer employees, the church, we all have fellowship. And there's a reason for that. Because we were created for it. We long for it. Our heart craves to be known and to know, um, to love and be, be loved. Our, uh, our, our lives are, were created, we were put together to, to share life, to know one another. Now, when the reason that we're coming together is Jesus... Things really get exciting. That's an opportunity for some fellowship that goes beyond us and and does some eternal things. Brings a spiritual joy and a life. And so we're going to jump into the book of Philippians and see if we can find some of this joy from the fellowship. Let's read uh, those first 11 verses as Paul opens this love letter. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to express our gratitude this morning for your word, uh, for this this book of Philippians that we are beginning to soak our hearts in over the summer and the things that it will teach us and the ways that it will encourage and correct us and fill us up and heal us and move us toward one another and toward people outside these walls. And Lord, we, we uh, are glad to be able to read it in a, in a country that is still free to do so. What a privilege it is and what an opportunity it is. And so we pray, God, as we get started, you know, starting things is good. We enjoy starting things. It feels good to start, Lord. We pray you carry us on through this book all summer, soaking our hearts in it, planting it in our hearts, bearing fruit through us that we might glorify you in our lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, in our schools, wherever we might go, Lord. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is within us and will speak to us even today through this weak vessel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it gets started here. Verses 1 and 2. It's, it's a greeting. A greeting of a letter. It's a typical greeting. And he's describing in here some of the connections of the fellowship. See, Paul is not writing to strangers. He's not writing to strangers. If you go to the book of Acts and you read chapter 16, you'll read about Paul's first visit to Philippi and what happened when he went there. So he goes and he intrudes on this this, uh, women's prayer circle that was down by the riverside. He goes there and he starts preaching to them and a woman named Lydia hears the word and she believes in Jesus. And so she invites Paul and his team to come over to her house and she takes care of them there. That was the beginning of the church in Philippi. And this letter was written about 12 years after that. And so the community church of Philippi is about two years older than the community church of Living Streams. So when when this letter would have been read, it would have been read when the whole church was gathered together. I wonder if it was gathered in Lydia's home. If you keep reading in, in Acts, Acts 16, 16 to 19, it's another day of ministry described there for Paul and his team, and they encountered this girl who was possessed by a, an evil spirit. And she was a slave, and her owners were using her to tell the fortunes of people to make money. So Paul prays over her, frees her from Satan, and the men get upset with him because they lose their business. Do you suppose when this letter was read, 
that that slave girl was sitting on the front row. Somebody who had been brought from darkness into light. I wonder if she was there. You keep reading in Acts. And uh, you see that the owners bring charges against Paul and Silas. And they get thrown into prison. <clears throat> What's Paul do when he's in prison? He holds an all-night prayer meeting, worship service. You know, they're rocking the walls, singing hymns, praying. Everyone's listening. Then uh, an earthquake just happens to happen. And it opens up the doors of the prison. And the jailer wakes up and he sees the doors are open and he goes to get his sword to kill himself because he's like, you know, when my boss finds out that, you know, the prisoners are all gone, I'm a dead man anyway. Well, Paul, Paul yells at him and hey, stop, we're, we're all here. The jailer goes up to Paul and he says, hey, what must I do to be saved? So he must have been listening before he fell asleep. Paul answers and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So not only did the lights come on in the jail that night, the lights came on in the jailer. The jailer takes him to his home, bandages, bandages up their wounds, gets his family together, and the whole household gets baptized. I, I wonder, I wonder where in the congregation the jailer was sitting with his family as this letter was read. I wonder if they sang the same, same hymns that Paul sang in prison that night. These are not strangers that Paul is writing to. This is family. Family. Uh, relationships that were established by the power of God and faith in Jesus. There was no Jewish synagogue in Philippi. It didn't have enough Jews to, to create a synagogue there. There was no, no knowledge of the living God. Paul goes into virgin territory and he's talking about Jesus and the power of God is showing up and a church gets started and here, 12 years later, it is still going. It's a family. Now, all families have connections, you know. you got parents, you got siblings, you got husband, wife, aunts, uncles, and so on. Well, the fellowship is no different. There are connections, and Paul mentions some of them here. Uh, he mentions Timothy, the letters coming from him and Timothy. Uh, Timothy is with him. Paul is not by himself in prison. He is working side by side, co-laboring with Paul. And that's a common connection in the fellowship. When God sends somebody out, he sends them out two by two or more. This isn't a, a, a lone ranger deal, man. We're not on our own in this Christian walk. We're meant to go out. We, we need each other. And if you look, you can see it all the way through Scripture. I mean, Moses had men to hold his arms up when the Israelites were fighting a battle. Because so, when they got tired, the Israelites started losing. When they, he held them up, uh, they, they were winning. So the men came around and held up his arms. David had a heart friend in Jonathan who stuck with him. Uh, Solomon, he wrote, two are better than one. Jesus had 12 disciples. And within that 12, he had three. Peter, James, and John. So these are all relationships, side-by-side, co-laboring kind of relationships that we need for the trenches of kingdom work. They're essential if you want to be part of the fellowship. Now, Paul describes himself, him and Timothy, as servants of Christ. Servants of Christ. He's not writing to them as their superior. 
He, he puts himself on the same level as slaves, the lowest level in his society, in their society. And when he writes that, you know, we're servants of Christ, we're slaves of Christ, he's foreshadowing what he's going to talk to him about in the next chapter, about considering others more significant than yourself. So he's not looking down on this fellowship, he's lifting them up. He writes to the saints and shepherds and servers who are in Philippi, in the church there. So these are folks that are in Christ, have been called by Christ, and are serving Christ. So once you're in the fellowship, there's a responsibility to the fellowship. There's something for you to do. God will use you. He will use you uniquely. Your personality, your gifts, your talents. He will use you to protect and strengthen what he is building. So the fellowship needs you. Specifically. It needs you to be present. Physically. The fellowship needs you to be connected and contributing. You know, there are no accidental memberships in the church God has, if you're here, you call Living Streams home, God has brought you here. He's brought you here. He has something for you to do here. For Living Streams to be all that that God wants us to be, we need you. Really. Now Paul finishes this greeting in a familiar style, mentions some faith connections. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus runs to the center of this greeting. I mean, he's, he's right there all the way through. Why? Because he's the reason for the fellowship. He's the reason we're getting together. We're here in his name. There, these are servants of Christ writing to the saints of Christ looking for blessing from Christ. So if you're not in Christ, if you're not in Christ by faith, if you don't personally know him, if you haven't trusted your life to Him for eternal life, then you're always going to feel like you're on the outside here looking in. Because He's the reason we're getting together. Knowing Him is a foundational relationship for being in fellowship with the saints. So as you listen to the greeting and you hear about these connections that, that it describes, faith and family connections, how does that compare to your life? How does it compare? You know, you can be a regular attender on Sunday morning. You can come to this room and and not be connected. You're here with people all around you, but you can still be alone. You know, I've often thought, you know, when I went into ministry, I um, I was the pastor of small groups. And so I was like the community guy. I mean, I was about connecting people. And, and uh, I found out that we just don't do relationships very well. You know, I mean, in the kind of culture that we live in, uh, developing relationships, what the time that takes, it, it's just not high on our priority list. And then, you know, people can be people. <laughs> I mean, you know, they can hurt you. And they can betray you. They can walk away from you. It's so much easier to do relationships over social media today. You know, where we can control everything. What they see in us. What we say to them. It's 
so much easier. But you know what? That just doesn't get it done for this fellowship. You can't do Christianity over social media. You just can't do it. They knew nothing about Twitter in the Bible. I'm getting off on a rabbit trail and lost my place. If you don't have a family at Living Streams, then you're missing out. You're missing out on biblical Christianity, on the life that Jesus wants you to live. You're missing out on joy that will bubble up inside of you. You know, we started our Philippians study last week. We had a good group of about 12 people. And uh, one of the people that came is Gail Godfrey. And, you know, Gail's been here not very long. And she said to us in the meeting, she said, I felt the love when I walked in the door. And this is my family. And she's here. She's like in every Bible study we've ever had since she's been here. (laughs) It's beautiful. That's it. And it's, it's because she's giving herself. Now, if you, if you don't have a faith in, the faith in Jesus that has changed you like it changed Lydia, that has brought you from darkness to life, that has transformed you and saved your life like it has, has the jailer, you're always going to be missing out on fellowship with God. And that has got some really serious consequences for life after this life. So evaluate. What do my connections look like based on just this greeting, two verses? Yesterday, we attended my daughter Maisie's graduation. And so she's the fourth kid of five to graduate from our home school, which is called Living Letters Academy. So last week, I I got up and I sat down and I wrote her a letter. You know, there's some things that a dad needs to say to his daughter. And uh, sometimes those things need to be written. And there were definitely some things that this dad needed to say to that daughter. So I, I got up and uh, I'll tell you, as I was writing this letter, there was an incredible amount of joy that just bubbled up from the inside of me and leaked out my eyes. You know, I, we have been through some tough stuff together, Maisie and I and her mom, like algebra. <laughs> church planting we've had some really low lows and we've had some really high highs on this journey with her you know I wrote about her decision to be baptized which was about 10 years ago and um, when I sat her down to talk to her about that so she's 8 and I'm trying to convince her to wait you know, you're eight years old. Maybe, you know, maybe it'd be better. You know, you might end up wanting to do this again. And she looked me square in the eye and she said, Dad, I believe. There's some boldness and courage in that one. Somebody you may not expect the way she goes about connecting in life. But, but anyway, as I was writing this letter and I was reading about Paul and his, the way he opened his letter, I saw some similarity. Maisie and I will always have a family connection and we will always have a faith connection longer than we'll have a family connection and it caused joy to bubble up inside. It was the same joy that I'm reading about right here as Paul is writing. It's the same. Family connections, faith connections. So listen to that. Listen to what Paul is saying here just in the first two verses and evaluate your connections. 
is you can find what he's writing about right here in this body of believers if you'll invest yourself in the stream. And I will say, it is essential. It is essential for following Christ. You cannot read the Bible without hearing about connecting in fellowship. Remember, this letter to the Philippians was not written to a single person. It was written to a congregation, to a fellowship of people. Now, summer is approaching fast. And at our house, that means that our ice cream intake is going to increase exponentially. And one of the most difficult decisions that I have to make is what flavor of ice cream to bring home from the grocery store. I mean, there's so many good ones, right? You got mint chocolate chip, you got cotton candy, you got birthday cake. (laughs) I think there's butter, pecan, moose track, coffee nut. I mean, all these things. You know, I will stand in front of the freezer section, admire until it's embarrassing. (laughs) And I will go home with homemade vanilla. So if you see me over there, just pray for me. There's a lot of different flavors of ice cream. There's a lot of different flavors of fellowship as as well. And Paul begins his letter to his faith family describing what makes us different than all the other fellowships out there. The first one is there's a gospel flavor to this fellowship. A gospel flavor. I mean, imagine Paul sitting down to write this letter. He says, every time I think of you, I thank my God for you. Every prayer is full of joy. Why? Because of your partnership in spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's why he's full of joy. That's why every time he thought of the Philippians, he was full of joy. Because they were spreading the good news of the gospel. See, the church has got to partner together in gospel work. No other organization on the planet will do that. None of them. And you know, there's opportunities to go out and bless. It is becoming vogue for companies to send their employees on mission trips to go out and do good work. Especially when they can get in the headlines. But... If you can go out on a mission trip and people are not hearing about Jesus and given an opportunity to believe, that is not a biblical mission trip. It's not biblical. There's something called the social gospel. It's been around for about 100 years, 110 years. Uh, But it's the idea that if I give a cup of cold water in Jesus' name to somebody... If I clothe them, if I feed them, if I give them shelter, show them the love of God, that's doing missions. They'll somehow come to believe if I do that. I can confidently tell you, nobody has ever come to faith through the social gospel. Not one person. Because the Bible says that's not how it's done. The Bible says people come to faith by hearing of the word, the word of Christ. It's important for us to understand the difference. Because even though the social gospel has been around for a hundred years, it's alive and well in our community. And it's alive and well in the church. 
See, the good work that we do, and we are called to do good work. I'm not saying we shouldn't do the good work, give the cup of cold water, uh, clothe people, feed people. We should do that. But we cannot let the good work replace the gospel work. So the church has got to be involved in the good work, but we've got a responsibility to go beyond that and tell people about Jesus. And go beyond that and give them an opportunity to believe. What is is the gospel? I mean, it starts with God. And He created the world and He created us. Because he wanted us, not because he needed us. He doesn't need anything, but he wanted us. And he wanted specifically you, as told by your fingerprints, unique in the world. You were uniquely made. There's nobody like you. Starts there. God loved us. He created us because he wanted us, but we didn't want him. And so we sinned. We offended him. And we're born into that lifestyle. Even though we try to fix it, even though we try to do good things and make up for the bad things that we do in various ways, all of that's fully rags to God. He's holy and perfect. He's up here. You know, to get into heaven, you've got to be perfect. You know, so if perfection is like the peak of the building, to get into heaven, you have to stand here on the floor and jump and touch the peak of the building. I mean, you know, and, and your goodness is how high you can jump. No one can get there. I love this illustration. I've often thought, you know what I want to do? I want to, I want to get up there where it's flat and write Jesus' name on that panel and say, even though we can't jump up there, he can. And he did. He did. So if we want to live with God forever, then we've got to say, Lord, I, I can't jump up there. I'm sorry I can't. But he did, and I'm trusting in what he's done for me. That's the gospel. We give our life to Him. We stop, we stop jumping for ourselves and we start jumping for Him. That's the difference. That's the difference. So the fellowship in the church has got to have a gospel flavor or we're not living out the New Testament. We're not living out what Jesus has called us to do. I was in a meeting last week with World Renewal International. You know, that that's the organization that is, is an umbrella organization over um, David Taylor, and, and that's one of our missionaries that we support in Brazil. And so Pastor Telly was sharing with us over, over the wire, and he was telling us they've started this year doing these impact events where they go into towns that have no witness for the gospel. They go into towns, take a, take a team of up to 50 people, and they gather people in the street and they do, they do street ministry. They feed people. They tell people about Jesus. They give them an opportunity to believe. And so far this year alone, they've had almost 200 people come to Christ. It's beautiful. Now, they aren't stopping there. They're praying. They're working to, to bring those new decisions together to form churches. So they're going back and they're following up, discipling these new believers. And as I, hear, I heard about that, I, I was like, man, every time I think of them in all of my prayers, joy. Partners in this gospel mission. In your bulletin, you're going to notice a new section called Mission Highlight. And uh, you can go there to find out how you can pray for our missionaries 
that we support. And you'll notice in there that there's Twin Lakes Camp and a picture um, of Gavin and, and Kendra. Um, because we are partnering with Twin Lakes Camp in more ways than one. If you've ever been here and heard a teenager's testimony, you've heard Twin Lakes mentioned. <laughs> I mean, it's like holy ground. You know, you go there. Um, but we're also sending part of our fellowship to go there all summer to serve. Because in about three weeks, they'll have kids coming every week for seven weeks all summer to hear the gospel. And be given a chance to believe. And so Gavin and Kendra and and Megan who's with us today. um, They're going to be going out there. Really as missionaries. And it gives us a gospel flavor. It's part of our fellowship. And we are incredibly proud of you guys. And what you do there. So we have a gospel flavor. We also have a God flavor. Forgive me, God, for bringing you down to an ice cream flavor. But I thought I could get away with it. Uh, Paul continues here in verse 6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will, will continue, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So this whole work that's happening here, all that you see going on, doesn't depend on us, but it depends on God. Remember, read verse 6 with this in mind. It's not to me as an individual, even though that's okay to look at it that way and get encouragement from that. It is to us. He who began a good work, and I'm confident he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So God is the one at work in the fellowship. He's the one who gives us the gifts and the power and the boldness and the love and the strength to continue in the gospel partnership. And so that goes for us personally, goes for us corporately. Because here, what we're doing is not easy. When you hear about being involved in gospel work, it should feel kind of difficult. It should feel kind of challenging. Because we're doing something that there's a big army out there that's against us. The, The gospel ministry, the gospel work is a war. The board meeting at World Renewal, they have all the pictures of the missionary, but in the middle it says, War Room. Because we're at war. We have an enemy who does not want us to succeed. He doesn't want us to share about Christ. He wants us to sin, make mistakes. He is causing us to do uh, that. He is tempting us. He's doing all he can do to slow us down, make us fall. But greater is he who is in me, and he who is in the world. This is hard work. Now, as pastor of this fellowship, I can't tell you how much encouragement verse 6 brings to me that God started Living Streams 10 years ago. It was not my idea to do this. You know, um, this was God's idea. He just gave us a call. He knocked on the door and said, hey, you guys want to come lead this? We said yes, so that's why we're here. This is God's idea. You are God's idea. And so that means that I don't have to worry, I don't have to lose sleep over living streams continuing on. Because God is going to keep it going. And there's times, you know, in ministry, that you felt this back at Brookville Road as well, you know, that I just would, would see this whole thing that was going on and think, man, it's just a house of cards. If the wind blows in the right way with the right strength, it'll just get blown away and we won't exist anymore. But then I remember God started it. 
And he will keep it going, not me. So I pray. I pray Colossians 1.17 quite a bit. Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And I pray that for us. Jesus, I can't hold this together. you got to hold us together. Hold us together. <clears throat> he'll do it. He'll do it for us. And he'll do it for you too. So Paul continues. He continues gushing over his faith family. And he describes a grace flavor to the fellowship. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you. To feel this thanksgiving and joy and affection. Because you're experiencing the same grace in the same ways that I am just in a different place. He says, you're partakers of grace, both in my imprisonment and in defending and the confirmation of the gospel. These are the ways they're both experiencing grace. He's, he's saying, Paul is saying, just as I am suffering for the gospel, I know that you are too. Just as I am defending the gospel, I know that you are too. Just as I am seeing fruit from the gospel, I know that you are too. You are partakers of the same grace that I am receiving. In the same ways, just in a different place. When that is happening, when you hear about that, you can feel the bond between people. The fellowship. Whether they're in Brazil or India. You know, uh, Gary Wright, the president of World Renewal, shared with, with us some things that are happening under Dan Miller's ministry. And that's always a difficult thing to, to share on a Sunday morning with the, um, with the word going out over the wire because there's, there's a lot of danger for the people that are under, under uh, his, his umbrella of, of ministry, Dan's ministry. But I heard about um, three churches that are starting in Morocco. And in Morocco, you can die for trying to convert somebody. And so, you know, we'll, we'll have to figure out ways. Maybe we'll do a, a, a fellowship night with Gary and he can share with us without worry of, you know, sh- sharing a name or something that would, would get somebody, in, you know, in trouble. Because uh, there is, it just blew me away to hear about what is happening. And, and we're part of that. We're supporting that, that effort um, in very dark places in the world. So the question I guess for you uh, this morning is have you tasted the flavors of the fellowship? Have you tasted them? Are you participating in gospel work? Are you depending on God to keep you going, to give you the words, to give you the love? It's all about him. You share in the grace that comes from suffering and defending in the fruit of the gospel. Because all of this is what makes our fellowship unique. It's unique and it's joyful. So I know that today you're going to stand there in front of the smorgasbord of flavors of things that you can do with your life. And I just want to encourage you to do these things. Be intentional about these things. I met with another pastor this past week. And um, just met him for the first time, pastor up here at at, uh, Grace, no, no, Geist, Geist Community Church. And uh, when he shows up, he pulls out a piece of paper and it's it's got scripture on it. 
And then he tells me, he goes, you know, I, I do this often with Christians. Yeah. Um, I find that if we just, you know, fellowship around the word, the spirit, you know, gets stirred up, we get truth, and, and then we'll share about life. And so that's the first thing we did. I never met this guy before. He pulls out the word. He says, let's read this together. What do you get out of it? I said, fear. <laughs> it was there. <laughs> But, you know, we have to, that's, that's the way life goes. I share that because that's the way life goes. If we want this stuff to take priority in our life, we want to do this stuff first. We want to make it first on our daily to-do list. We want to make it first priority in our life. Or it won't happen. And the rest will happen. So, have you tasted the flavors? If you do it, I promise you won't regret, won't regret it a single bit. So, Paul, he's bringing this... Uh, he brings the opening of the love letter to a close, uh, and, he, and he does that by telling them how he's praying for them. So there's prayers uh, for the fellowship. Whenever you don't know what to pray for somebody or for this church, pray the prayers for the fellowship. Um, when I read verse 8, I read a father's heart gushing over his kids. He's thinking about them. His heart is overflowing because of who they are proving themselves to be. He says, as God knows and could tell you, I am loving you and I am missing you. As God is my witness, this is how I feel about you. And here's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying that you would grow. That you would grow. I pray that your love would grow. Flourish. Overflow and keep overflowing more and more. I pray that your wisdom would grow. How much you know about the love of God in Christ Jesus and how to live that out in your life. Have the discernment to live that out in your life. And I pray that that would produce a holy and blameless life, one without blemish, all the way up until the end when Jesus returns. I pray for your fruit to grow. Your fruit of the gospel, of knowing Jesus and following Him. And I pray that your shine would grow. Your ability to reflect the glory of God because that brings Him glory and praise. You know, I was thinking, you don't ever have to ask me again what to pray for. Just pray that for me. (laughs) I'll be good. (laughs) I mean, wouldn't it be incredible if the fellowship that we're in was growing like this? That each one of us was growing in love and wisdom and fruit and shine. I mean, is there anybody here who doesn't want those prayers prayed over over them today? So I was was thinking, Paul's he is not saying here with these prayer requests, this is what you are. He's saying this is what you could be if God would answer. Yeah, as I said earlier, I think it's the most common description of you that I get from people that come here for the first time is that they feel the love the moment they walk in. They feel the love of God. And I think I, I like to paraphrase that, you know, uh, paraphrase what Jake, what happened to Jake when he was wrestling with God and, and uh, you know, he fell asleep and he was dreaming and, and he woke up and goes... Surely the presence of the Lord was in this place. And I I like to think that's what people are saying. They come in here asleep 
in the dark and they wake up and they, they sense the presence of God and when they leave, God is there. Whew, man. That's, for me, that's success. Doesn't matter how many people come here, but man, if God's here and people know that, I'm good. I just can't make that happen, you know? I, I can't produce that. I, I can't say, hey, you guys be loving to people that walk through the door. You might do it one Sunday, but you'll forget the next because you'll be having a bad day. That's all. Everybody has a bad day. But God is doing that. He's doing that through the people of the fellowship. It's beautiful. And I'll tell you, it blesses me and it bubbles up joy inside me. So what prayer do you need most prayed for you today? Are you feeling like you're sort of at the bottom of your love well? You know, you've hit bottom. I've pulled that bucket up so many times and every time the love is less and less and less and now it looks pretty dry and I don't have the energy. I'm tired to pull that. Just pray. Pray that God would deepen your well and that he would fill it all the way up to overflowing and pour it out today. Do you need wisdom? You need wisdom today. You got a decision to make today because of something that happened yesterday and you don't know what it is. You get you got uh, the future to look to. You don't know which way to go. You don't know how to make a decision. Do you need wisdom? James says, if you lack wisdom, ask God for it and believe that you have it. Pray for more wisdom. How about your fruit? What's hanging off the the vine of your life? Is it scarce or is it abundant? You know, the, the way you increase fruit in your life is to stay connected to the vine. Remember, and Jesus said in John 15, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. If you don't, you can't do anything. So abide in Jesus. What about your light? Does it feel kind of dim? Does it seem like it's just a flicker, not really pushing back the darkness at work? Well, that light is not your light. It is the light of the Spirit. And if the light of the Spirit is dim, you have to look to the sin in your life. You know, it says in the Word, don't quench the Spirit. Don't grieve the Spirit. So you look there and you confess that sin to God and you say, forgive me and you know, renew me, wash me new um, and then light the fire again so I can shine for you. What, what prayer do you need prayed over you most today? You are the people of the fellowship. What do you need most today? We're going to close the service praying over our missionaries. They were sending out uh, Gavin and Kendra and Megan. Would you guys come on up here? Um, like I said, they're headed out today for Twin Lakes. And uh, we might see them a little bit off and on. But, uh, you know, camp sounds so much fun if you're a camper. But if you're a counselor or in leadership there, uh, it is it is difficult.
And uh, let's see, Larry Joyce, would you come on up here? And uh, elders, Shane, come up and lay hands on them. And anybody else now? Come on up. All right, let's pray. If you would, just stretch out your hand toward these three. Father in heaven, we rejoice in the work that you have started here at Living Streams. Lord, I see a beautiful fellowship. One that's growing in love and wisdom and fruit and shine. And I pray that over our people today, Lord. Just that you would cause us to grow. Be brighter, stronger, have more impact for you. It's in your hands. You have started this and we trust that it will be brought to completion all the way when Jesus comes back. And we bring these special people to you today, Lord. Um, We're thankful for their hearts for you, their love for you. Thankful for their participation here at Living Streams. We're thankful for their commitment to, to put themselves out in an uncomfortable place all summer in the heat and the humidity and and serve you by loving on kids and sharing Christ with them. So, Lord, we pray that your spirit would be filling them up every day, that you'd keep them healthy, that you'd keep them strong, that the fruits of the Spirit would be abundant in their, in their lives and that they would be um, the flame that attracts those kids to Christ. Like a moth is attracted to light, Lord. We pray that there would be uh, story after story every week, every day of camp, of of a kid learning about Jesus and trusting him for life. So, Lord, we we entrust these to your care, Gavin, Kendra, and Megan. Give them safe travels. Give them fruitful ministry. And we look forward to praising you because of what you've done this summer through them. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.